0: Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So um, here we are looking at um, what it means to bring a kind awareness to the moment uh before we go on i'm just curious if you've been at all working with uh the first one or second one a relaxed awareness last week we did interested awareness uh, anyone playing around with with these at all where is it you're just here in the moment and then then it's gone i know the moment's gone well there's another moment um anyone Playing around, yeah, Randy, yeah, you are. Uh, anything to to share that you're noticing? Yeah.
1: Thanks. Um, yeah, it's uh, been really helpful to my meditation practice actually to um, not think that I'm that something else is supposed to be happening when I'm meditating, you know. And it's really opened things up for me. Yeah.
0: By bringing the what the interested awareness to what's both
1: interested and relaxed, mm-hmm. um, because I uh, usually, you know, have have been thinking that I shouldn't be thinking, you know, or I, should, you know, so something else should be happening, and now I'm just able. I'm finding myself able to just be with whatever is happening, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, it's it's really been great.
0: Great, thanks. Great. Oh, uh, behind you.
2: Yeah, dovetailing on that, I have had a similar experience uh, that in the past week when I often I often will think, boy, I I wish I had more time to meditate. I wish I was meditating now. And I go, whoa, wait, hold on. You know, James said that you know, whatever's happening right now. So, and it sort of has opened it up for me a little bit, so it's good.
0: Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thanks. One last, Isabel.
2: Um,
1: I have this thing, like, at four in the afternoon where I get really tired and feeling like I've been saying, you're lazy, move, you know, whatever, and I'm, like, just trying to remember about being kind and aware and interested, and I'm, like, is there something I can find to be interested in, you know? And that's been helping me, um, just kind of move past that instead of just be so buy into it and be into it, mm-hmm. you know. Great. So it's been
0: cool. Yeah. Oh, you can just turn it off now. Okay. not you hold on to it, because we'll see. Um, so I wanted to just check in both to to see if anything was happening and to, um encourage you, remind you that this is more than just theory, that if you play around with, experiment with what you might hear in a talk that uh, makes sense to you, it really makes it come alive, and particularly in your attitude in sitting practice. Um, So as we talk about. This one tonight, I, I hope that you can uh, include that as well. Or the other two, whichever one. Or they, they really all come together the way I see it. Um, whichever one support you in your being present. So a kind awareness. I'm sure most of you are familiar with uh, meta. M E T T A meta practice or loving kindness, where you are programming the mind and the heart, so to speak. May I be happy? May I be peaceful? May I be safe from harm? And may you be happy? May you be peaceful? And it's very effective. If you've never done a loving kindness retreat, you just uh, as you plant those seeds, mysteriously, magically, even. As you go through whatever rebellion or relationship to the heart that you do, uh, after a while you just really start to soften a bit and open, and um, it works. It just works. But the idea of doing a loving kindness retreat, besides cultivating that in um, in a focused way, is the way i see it as far as practice goes is to bring that whole spirit of loving kindness right into your mindfulness practice mindfulness can be a very um, sterile kind of a word it's kind of bland mindfulness you know or maybe even a bit cerebral mindfulness but as you may or may not know, the word chitta, which is sometimes translated as mind, is also translated as heart. It's the same thing, heart mind. And so, if you think of it as heartfulness, bringing a heartfulness, bringing a, a, a kind presence to the moment, there's a kind of there's a richness, there's a, a softening, there's a, a, a real um, quality of connecting with the experience. And it's powerful. Metta, the word that metta comes from uh, in Sanskrit is maitri. uh, And that means uh, friend. There's a friendliness to the moment. We need to cultivate a friendliness to the moment. Sometimes metta, as it's translated as loving kindness, it's like, you know, seems like such a, a lofty kind of a thing, you know. Oh, gosh, if I could only just love myself to pieces or love this moment and you're not quite there. All, it, all you need is opening up the channel a little bit as. Ajahn Sumedho, I heard many, many years ago say, and it really made sense. He says, if you have trouble with loving kindness, just focus on kindness. It's, a basic, it's, it's so much more accessible. A basic kindness that we, we thrive on, we, we long for, and we can relax and connect with. Mm-hmm. How are you, when you're around somebody who's unkind, how do you feel? Contracted, a little bit maybe on edge, you got to be wary, you got to, you know, you're like this. And when you're in that field of kindness, if you're around somebody who is, just exudes a, a quality of basic warmth. Trump used to say, Trump used to say, basic warmth. When you are in that field of basic warmth, what do you do? You naturally relax. You naturally feel at ease and feel at home and feel comfortable. And when you're feeling that, you can so much more easily be present for whatever is happening. Isn't it so? You're not kind of having your tunnel vision out or your, you know, your, it's not like your sympathetic nervous system is, is getting ready to you know, fight or flee. Your parasympathetic is going and it's like, oh, I can be here with this moment. Well, if you're that way with somebody else, just think, you've got a choice in here You've got both, both sides and whole gamut around when you're on that fight-or-flight mode in your mind or when you're battling yourself or battling the moment. In some way, you're in contention with the moment. Sylvia likes to use that word, you know, to not be in contention or contest with the moment. When you're, when you're at home with the moment, it's so much easier to be present, isn't it? Anybody here doesn't want to open their heart a bit more? (laughs) Now, you might say, oh, I really want my my practice to help me open my heart. That's a very common um, way that people express their motivation. It's a beautiful motivation to learn to open our hearts more. But the practice is right here in the moment. It's not like, well, maybe if I can figure it out, you know, 5 years from now, I will get better at opening up my heart or it's I know it's a very slow process, so I and and you have to be patient, it's true. It's a very slow process and Maybe I'll just learn at some point to open up my heart. It's right here in this moment, just practicing a moment of kind awareness. And every moment that you practice with that attitude, you are very definitely learning to open up your heart. But some things get in the way, don't they? Isn't that interesting? Things get in the way. There's a a quote that I've I've used a number of times that I love from Robert Bly. He says, every part of us that we do not learn to love will become hostile to us. Now, he uses the word love, and, and you can substitute every part of us that we do not learn to be kind to or friendly with will become hostile to us. Because if there is this stash in your mind that you're trying to shove under the rug or hope will go away, it's got you. Subtle though it is, it's got you. That's, That's the distance between you and freedom oh, I don't like this part of me, then you're splitting yourself off, you're cutting yourself off from that all-embracing connection. Now, again, you might say, well, how can I love my insecurity? Or how can I love my rage? It's not that you love it to death, and you just say, well, maybe you can love it to death. That's another uh, but it's not like you just say, oh, this is so groovy. I, you know, I, just, I just really love my rage. No. That, that's, that's not what we're talking about. What does it mean to bring kindness? And I'll speak on, on two levels first to all the parts in, in us that we have a hard time opening to, and then kindness to the moment besides just what's going on in here. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to bring kindness to it? In fact, let me just ask for some, oh, you have it, some, uh, think for a moment, what could that mean to bring metta to those parts of us that we we don't, we don't Really want there. Behind you. Yeah. Thank
2: you. I think
1: it's compassion. I think that when we sit with ourselves and our struggles and we're compassionate with the struggle that we're having, that that builds loving kindness.
0: Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. Anyone else? To pass it through on the other side. Raise your hand. In the back, Michael.
1: I think sometimes it can be. um, It can take the form of verbal whispering, almost like a, a bedfellow, or a friend, a lover. Whispering to yourself about how it it really hurts, are you really hurting, are you really angry, you're really confused, and you just have a whispering sound yeah. almost and words that go with it that are very kind and understanding yeah. mm-hmm. and give space, like that thing you said a weeks ago, being spacious. I really feel that's the key to the whole thing for me is just giving space even to the worst of the worst. I mean, kinesthetic pain, misery, reactivity, negativity, hatred, self-hatred, irritability, having space for all of that. And the other, so one is verbal like self-talk that's kind, setting a mood. And the other is nothing you can say. All you can do is bear it. Just being willing to bear. Mm -hmm. Sounds negative, but it's just being willing to be Mm -hmm. with how it is. Mm -hmm. And you can't get out of it. You could squirm out of it, but it's not working to squirm. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of, don't collapse, but Mm -hmm. you kind of just be with it. Mm
0: -hmm. Great. Thank you. You can uh, just turn it off and just hold on to it. while. This is... um, I want to read a little bit from Ajahn Sumedho talking about about metta, about kindness. He says, uh, in English the word love often refers to something that I like. For example, I love sticky rice. I love sweet mango. We really mean we like it. Liking is being attached to something such as food which we really like or enjoy eating. We don't love it. Metta, means you love your enemy. It doesn't mean you like your enemy. If someone wants to kill you and you say, I like them, that's silly. But we can love them, meaning we can refrain from unpleasant thoughts and vindictiveness from any desire to hurt them or annihilate them. Then there are some things one doesn't like about oneself. But metta means not being caught up in the thoughts we have, the attitudes, the problems, the thoughts and feelings of the mind. So it becomes an immediate practice of being very mindful. To be mindful means to have metta towards the fear in your mind or the anger or the jealousy. And metta means not creating problems around existing conditions. Allowing them to fade away, to cease. For example, when fear comes up in your mind, you can have metta for the fear, meaning that you don't build up aversion to it. You can just accept its presence and allow it to cease on its own. You can minimize the fear also by recognizing it's the same kind of fear that everyone has, that animals have. It's not my fear, it's not a person's fear, it's an impersonal fear. And then we can begin to have compassion for others when we understand the suffering involved in reacting to fear in our own lives. So very much like what you're saying, to just give it space and to allow it without getting into a battle doesn't mean you like it, but it means you don't keep on feeding it with the reactivity and you you embrace it enough to see This is part of the human condition, to see, yeah, I'm human. How can I relate to this in a way? Think of if you were around a little child, and this is something that I I often do in, in practice with people. If you were around a kid having a tantrum, and it was a kid that you really liked, right? and maybe even if it's your kid you really love but that kid is just having a meltdown right there do you say oh i love the way you're behaving <laughs> gee i love that you're kicking and screaming and you know <laughs> i can remember when, one time when when adam who's now 22 Had this meltdown in in uh, Safeway. I wasn't there, but Jane was there, and my my mom, his grandma, was there too. And it was like, you know, I think I I think uh, my mom was like, you know, I don't know this kid. She (laughs) kind (laughs) of (laughs) laughed, like, oh my god. You know, I still hear about that meltdown 20 years later. Um, It wasn't like, oh, how wonderful. But you don't stop loving that child. It's just they're caught. They're stuck. They're confused. And you love the whole package. And there's room for the whole package. Mm-hmm. Let's just, to, to make this relevant to, to you, think for a moment. I ask you to close your eyes and, and notice when, you're not, when are you not kind to your experience? Now, you might be at a place in practice where you're basically pretty kind these days. And that's, that's fine. You don't have to go hunting for anything. But when are you not kind, either with what's happening inside or what's happening in the moment? When is it hard for you to be kind? Let's just uh, take a few responses. Anybody uh, Anybody find that they came up with something? Yeah. Okay, right over here. Here, here it's right, coming right there to you.
1: When pain is present.
0: Okay, when pain is present. That's that's You probably got a lot of company on that one. Okay, so you're really unkind or not kind to your body or to the... Your experience. Okay. And yeah, pass it up. Oh, oh good. You want to say well, I
2: find when I feel like giving up or I'm feeling sorry for myself, then I there's the added burden of <laughs> self condemnation. Ah, okay.
0: So the added burden. Here, pass it up. From behind. The added burden of self condemnation.
2: When I find myself being unmindful or thoughtless, and something happening from lack of attention to what I'm doing or what's happening, then I find myself not mindful, thought, you know, like not attending to what's happening, and then acting automatically, and maybe messing up or something, and then I'm so impatient with myself.
0: You're So impatient with yeah, yourself. Yeah. Impatient. Like, <laughs> Sometimes I think that's the basic curriculum. That we're here for patience, you know that uh, that line. I think I, I, don't know if I used it recently. It says uh, the spiritual journey sometimes requires a a cup of of love. A uh, no, yeah, a cup of love, a barrel of wisdom, and an ocean of patience. It's patience is saying. This should be a better moment than it is. (laughs) As well, in there, I should be doing better than I am. And the thing to keep in mind is that probably if you could do better than you are, you would. Wouldn't you? If you could, you would. Now, you might say, well, I don't know about that. I mean, there are some times that I really know I could do better, but I'm not. What goes on there? You know you could do it another way, but you're not. It's not because you're probably a bad person. It's just that there are forces at play that are stronger than that ideal you have. The forces at play are part of your conditioning. And if you were free of that conditioning, it would be easy to live with your ideals, wouldn't it? So it's a very important point, I think, here, a key point that... Everything is unfolding due to causes and conditions. Everything is unfolding out of habits that we have practiced. And it's good to have a direction where you want to head. But sometimes between the, the, the space between where you want to be and where you are. Uh, is still, you're still subject to that conditioning. So on the one hand, if you could do it better, you would. And even if you know you could do better and you don't, uh, it's because you you can't quite just yet. Now you might say, well, that takes me off the hook. But there's a, a caveat to this thing. You can't just say, oh, well, that's the way I am. Oh, you can, actually. And in fact, many people do, You know, which uh, creates its own problem. Because then it just is more self-justification. Oh, well, that's the way I am. But if you bring a kind awareness If you really bring an awareness to how it feels and you bring a kindness to that it's not the kindness that says it's
2: cool a no problem but it's
0: an awareness that says wow this doesn't feel very good and I must be in the middle of some pretty heavy-duty conditioning and that Hopefully, if you stay connected to your intention to go for where real happiness lies, it it shakes you out of your complacency because it just feels really lousy to keep on getting stuck in the old habits. So it really means being aware and it means being kind with it, but not to the point of, Well, c'est la vie. That's how it is. But seeing, okay, the more you have that intention to wake up, the more it will fuel. It will be the cause of affecting change, the cause that starts a whole other conditioning process. And of course, you do have to be patient with this, but not complacent. Hmm. How are you in your, in when you're sitting and there you are with your mind and it's just going all over the map right? or it's in utter rage or it's in real fear? How are you with that? Is there a way... Just a little bit of space that you can say, oh wow. As somebody said, compassion, oh, this is really hard. This is what it feels like. And the more you're willing to feel it, the more the possibility of change. Because if you're not willing to feel it, if you distract yourself and you know just divert your attention elsewhere. You know, it, it, it's, it feels OK in the short run. And sometimes it's called for. I need a break from this, or I'm going to just implode. But if you keep on doing that and escaping, then you don't get a chance to really get down to the nitty gritty and feel what it's like in there. So this is not easy stuff, but it's, it's transformative if you're willing to say, oh, wow, this is so hard. Because like Bly says, if you don't learn to bring some kindness to it, it's going to just be your demon that takes takes over. How can you give some forgiveness to your body when you're sitting there and it doesn't behave? Like somebody said, physical discomfort. Okay, there you are sitting. You really want to be a a very dedicated practitioner, and your knee is just killing you, and so you find yourself saying, "Damn it! If this weren't here, I could meditate." You know? Or if my body wasn't doing whatever it does, you know. There you are. I once had on one retreat. Uh, one longer retreat, it, it occurred to me, what, do you, what would a Zen master do if he felt a big fart coming? You know, and he was by the door. Would he leave in embarrassment? Or would he leave to take care? Or would he say, this is what my body is doing? I, I, this is a koan I gave to myself. You know. I, play, I actually played around with it for about a week, you know, if you want to know. But it just it, it kept on occurring to me that your body is just doing what it does. You know, Stop making gas, you know. Stop contracting in that shoulder. Stop doing whatever it does. It's following its own laws. It just does what it does. And the more you can just see it that way, it's just causes and conditions that are completely out of your control. There's a, a, a forgiveness, a kindness that you can bring to it. And then on top of the, the initial experience, there's, as uh, was said, the self-condemnation. Oh, I can't believe I'm getting caught in this again. You know, adding the second dart, that famous second dart. The first one is hard enough. Oh, this is a this is, this is painful. And then the second one makes it much worse. Oh, I can't believe I'm here again. So you have to be particularly kind with that judging mind. In the uh, Third Zen Patriarch, one of my favorite treatises, there's this line uh, I love among many. It says, the burdensome practice of judging brings annoyance and weariness. And on one retreat, I was really looking at the judging mind. And I decided every time I noticed a judging thought, I would just tag on the line, the burdensome practice of judging. Right? And that would be the reminder. Like, oh, yeah, it's extra. And particularly when I go to meals, meals are very You know, uh, ripe uh, opportunities to notice the judging mind. So there, there I'd be. You know, like, oh my goodness, look how much he's heaping on his plate. Uh, (laughs) The burdensome practice of judging. You know, Uh, isn't she miss mindfulness eating her food? The burdensome (laughs) practice of judging. What a klutz I am! I just dropped my foot. The burdensome practice of judging. And what, what happened actually was, as you do that, as I did that, I would go through, when I catch it, if I was really present, 50, 75 times a meal, I'd be saying that. You know. After a while, you just have to laugh. <laughs> you do. I mean, you can either scream or laugh. And I say, you know, go for, go for the laughter. It's so amazing what this mind does. You might try this just as an exercise whether it's saying that or counting your judgments for a period of time. Say on a in a sitting period or maybe in the course of a of a a, a morning that you're, you are know, you interacting you go to work just see if you can count the judgments. It's very humbling but it's fun. You know, it's funny, you know. Oh, and then you get to the point not having a judgment now. 138, okay. <laughs> <laughs> a kind awareness, as uh, as my as my son Adam says, I, I love this. He says, as he got in touch with his practice, you know, awareness doesn't care. Awareness doesn't care that. When you really get in touch with what pure awareness is, it's not sitting there giving an evaluation, a report card on experience. You know, Oh, now this is a good moment. This is the way it's supposed to be. Now this is, this is an awful moment. Let's get rid of this. That's not real awareness. That's awareness with a lot of judging, but true awareness it's like the sun shining on all things. The sun doesn't just shine on the, the beautiful flowers and the, the lovely people and the, you know, I'm just thinking of, you know, how does it feel to be one of the beautiful people, you know? The sun shines on everything, on the garbage, on the maggots, on the pain, on the sorrow, on all of life. And all of life is equally worthy of that sun shining. It's all just phenomena that are coming through this mind and coming through this body. And the awareness that sees that clearly, inherently, intrinsically in that awareness, is compassion intrinsically in that awareness is love you, you might call it awareness it's it's another name for it is love it's a loving presence that just says oh this is how it is and it's okay this is a moment of life another line from the the third Zen patriarch that uh, that I love it says To live in the highest realization, to live in this realization, is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. That's the highest realization. Not, oh, when I get it all together and I become perfect, then I'll be enlightened. No, 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 no. It's just the opposite. A free mind says realizes it's perfect in its imperfection. To live in this realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. How could something be perfect and stay that way when everything is changing? It's not going to stay in the perfect mode. How can it? And when you see that, when you see clearly the perfection of it all, that it's just as it is. Then you really see your true nature. Then there's the the loving presence just shining through. And you see underneath all of those judgments is the pure awareness just shining through you. As the, the Buddha says... Luminous is this mind, brightly shining, but it is colored by the attachments that visit it. This unlearned people do not really understand and do not cultivate the mind. Luminous is this mind, brightly shining, and it is free of attachments that visit it. This the noble follower of the way really understands, and so for them there is cultivation of the mind that's that's who you really are that's where the profound transformation happens when you see who you are underneath all of those judgments is a basic kindness is a basic loving presence that can be with anything but you know it's not like you can just turn it on and say okay let's get the the numinous reality button it takes practice and compassion to see all of those flaws. And then there are glimpses that it just shines through where you're not in contest with the moment. And then you see that you have just what you needed. You have the compassion that you needed on, uh, um, on one retreat. This is a story that uh, my, my buddy Howie Cohn tells about his his practice he said he was there he was this is at a, a fall retreat in uh, at, at IMS many years ago. He looked around him and he saw all of his wardrobe and cashmere sweaters and really you know nice taste that he he has very good taste and just really. And and for for a while he was kind of feeling oh that's not good taste and then he saw over the days he said oh my God look at all the ways that I try to um, fill up the emptiness inside and and as he got more and more in touch with it it was really it was he couldn't hide it was so painful and. He says, and he ta- tells about, talks about this on retreat. He says at one point, it just got, he just started sobbing at seeing all the ways that he was trying to hide through the exterior. And all he could do was just wrap his arms around himself. He wasn't even doing it consciously. He was just sobbing and sobbing. And he, and he, just, and he wrapped his arms around himself. And in that rocking, Instead of being the one who was in such pain, all of a sudden he realized, oh, he was the arms of compassion that were holding it. And that was a a very profound shift for him in his practice. We have exactly what we need to hold ourselves. We have exactly what we need nobody else knows the pain that you go through. You can talk about it. We can relate to it. But nobody knows how it feels inside. But you know. And not only do you know, but there's a place in you that really is rooting for your happiness. As I've said this before, anybody doesn't want to be happy here? If you want to be happy, it means that there's a place in you that is truly rooting for your happiness. And all it is is connecting with that place that can wrap your arms around and say, oh, it's okay. Sometimes the present moment is not just what's going on in here that you see, oh, I don't like all of this stuff. Maybe you you can come to terms with that. But sometimes the present moment can be—it's just really hard. You don't like what's coming down the pike. You don't like the, you know, ringing in your ear. You know, it's not a matter of you being a, a, a nasty or bad person, or you don't like the the tiredness that you're feeling, or you don't like what's happening on the outside. And if it's a, a kind of a perpetual thing where it's, it's chronic, and you can't get away. You don't have to stay there all the time. You can start to notice what's okay in the moment. On this last retreat, this uh, month-long at Spirit Rocket, it was a, a very profound uh, exchange um, with with somebody who was sitting on the retreat who was really having a hard time. She was She was just kind of Wrapped up in in uh, not only the second dart but in just everything was everything around was so hard. she was going through a lot of physical discomfort and she said, "It's just so I just don't like being in this moment and we were sitting by the by the fire in the council house um, and uh, and I said, "Is there anything in this moment that you can Feel is not miserable. And she, um, I said, just take a moment. And I she, she took more time. She said, well, you know, um, mm, that fire right on my face is really quite pleasant. I said, oh, check it out a bit more. Just let yourself feel how pleasant it is. Hmm. Anything else? Well, you know, now that I, I felt that was that was kind of pleasant. It feels pleasant to not be fighting. Oh, check that out. Anything else? And we, kind of, did a little bit of a, a, a an exchange like that. And I, um, we suggested that she just start looking for what was pleasant because her mind was looking for what was unpleasant, and. Um, She wrote me this most amazing note, and we continued. Actually, it was the turning point in her retreat. She had been just battling the moment for two and a half weeks. And then that last week and a half was an amazing shift. Oh, wow. I was just looking in the wrong direction. I was getting sick, and she was going through a lot in in her body. Her back was out and several things. And as she just started to look towards what was pleasant, she could bring a kinder moment, a kinder awareness to what was happening. When you do bring practice bringing a kindness to the moment, it is a bodhisattva act. As you're cultivating more kindness for yourself, this is the best thing you can do for everyone. Because as you bring more kindness to yourself, You get a bit less stressed, which always is a nice thing to be around, somebody who's a little less stressed. Your love and your goodness shine through. And as you can bring kindness to yourself, you can bring a bit of kindness to others and see how they get caught in their stuff. You understand the compassion grows. And you become an inspiration. For others. Think of somebody who really is kind to themselves. I'm not talking about completely self-indulgent now. But just has a basic okayness with themselves. Maybe not all the time, but a lot of the time. It's it's like oh you can relax around them. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That's what inspired me actually about Joseph when I first met him. Oh. I had a feeling that he had gone through some stuff in his in his life. He didn't look so different from me, but he just felt comfortable in his own skin. And I said, "Gosh, if he can do it, maybe I can too." It's a it's a really a beautiful, generous act to learn more kindness and presence with yourself. So I want to just um, ask you for to take a moment and. Uh, Just think of what ways could you practice a little bit more kindness, a little bit more patience, tenderness, friendliness. Where in your practice is this called for? How you relate to your body? How you relate to your moods, how you relate to life, what would it be like if you felt those arms of compassion holding this place that you get stuck? Just see if you could plant the seed perhaps this week to play around with it a little bit. On the cushion or in your daily life when you tend to get stuck bringing a kinder awareness to this moment and to yourself. It's almost time to go if there's any uh, any question or something that that is up for you before we before we end yeah Carol is there yeah
2: I was thinking about um when i first started studying with you in in classes and i had very little presence and my heart was quite cold most of the time and uh, i had gotten in touch with the cold heart i knew how it was and a lot of times i'd sit and you know there were so few people and we sat on the floor and i'd usually sit in front of you this so when many I, years ago this many back.
0: years ago 20 years ago or At le- more than
2: that 25 yeah <laughs> And what I learned then, and what I'm learning even more as I get older and older, is that if I can't give loving kindness to myself in the moment, I can look at someone I love or bring to mind someone that I love, and I can let in their love. And then it it begins to change me. And I used to sit in front of you, and when my mind was going crazy, I would open my eyes and look at you. And then my heart would open some and then I could penetrate. And that's I, I still need that in my life. And I used to hate it when you talked about attachment because it's like bad attachment. And I didn't have enough attachment. I didn't have enough commitment, enough uh, connection. and And the realization that I need connection, mm-hmm. not just with my own mind. Mm-hmm. And so it's been it's been a long road, and I never told you that, but I wanted you to know that you, know, you began that process. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Mm. Well, you you just make another really important point. I, I talked about this uh, a little while ago um, about when you're not able to feel kindly towards yourself to just taking in all the love that's that's coming to you. Remember I talked about that, letting in the love. Anytime, and I mentioned this in the, the joy class this week, anytime somebody opens a door for you or gives you a smile or has a, a kind of basic warmth and friendliness towards you, take it in. Don't miss it. And not only oh, aren't they being kind? Think of it as the universe, as life, sending you metta. You are deserving of metta. It wouldn't be coming your way. There's no accidents if if you weren't deserving of it. How could you not be deserving of it? So it's a really good practice, if if it's not self-generated, to just see, oh, there's all of this kindness coming my way. Take it in. Receive it. Have your satellite dish out for it. And as you let it move through your body, let yourself feel it. And then what better way but to just send it out and share more because the more you are able to do that, it's like you are it's recycling and moving through you. So, um, yeah, just let in the love. Thanks. Okay, let's uh, do a, a short loving-kindness. If if you bear with me, there's just this one poem that I wanted to read by Dana Falls. It says, who you are is so much more than what you do. The essence shining through heart and and center, the bare and bold truth of you does not lie in your to-do list. You are not just at the surface of your skin, not just the impulse to arrange the muscles of your face into a smile or a frown, not just boundless energy or bone-wearying fatigue. Delve deeper. You are divinity, the vast and open sky of being. It's the light of the divine, the ember at your core, the passion and the presence the timeless, deathless essence of you that reaches out and touches me. Who you are transcends fear and turns suffering into liberation. Who you are is love. So as you, just for a moment, get in touch with that, what if that's so, who you are is love, and send yourself some kindness. May I feel all the love inside and share it well. May I feel the goodness inside and open up to it. May I be kind with my imperfections and keep on growing in the process. May I have happiness in my life. And now just send that out to everyone here and all beings as I want to be happy may all be happy may all be kind to themselves and to others and share their love well may all find the peace that's right inside may all beings be happy and may Our coming here together be for the benefit of all.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit org slash donate.